Hi, Angie. Hi, Tim. Hi. You don't have your microphone up. Hi, Tim. Hey, there you go. Hey. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, this morning we're continuing in our series called Saving Power. And we've been looking at Matthew chapters 8 through 9, where we see story after story of real people who experienced firsthand the real power of God and how ultimately that brings us to the place of really knowing that God can and God does want to save us. So you can go to the next slide. Our first week, we looked at the story of a man with leprosy who came to Jesus for help. And in that everyday place of life, God uh, meets us in our need and he boldly reaches out to the unreachable, the people in the places that we've counted out as too far gone or too far lost. And God goes there to bring his healing, restoring power, which uh, brought us to the idea there on the screen that restored lives witness to God's power to save everyone who believes. Last week, we looked at the story of a Roman centurion who came to Jesus because his servant was suffering and was paralyzed. And through this testimony, we learned that belief in Jesus is the catalyst to restore life. Trouble transcended borders in the centurion's life, uh, and he came to Jesus believing that Jesus' spoken word by itself carried a powerful promise and was enough to bring healing to the servant. And so the key message that Jesus took from this experience with the centurion uh, and his faith is that there's room at the table for all through faith. Uh, no matter your background, no matter where you've been, uh, the key is faith. And so we even see that in the life of the centurion. Um, the salvation and the kingdom of heaven that Jesus was bringing to earth through his ministry, we found last week that it wasn't only going to be for Jews, uh, but we can also see that it was God's heart to uh, see the whole world saved to himself and be uh, made right and brought into his kingdom, which brings us to today. You can go to the next slide. Uh, the title for today's message is Carried and Completed. Carried and Completed and the main passage for us today is Matthew chapter 8, 14 through 17, and the big idea that we're going to be exploring together is that freedom and healing are fulfilled through God's saving power. And so that's the context for today. If you have your Bibles, please turn with us to Matthew chapter 8. It's also going to be up here on the screen. Let's read. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve him. That evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. So the first thing we learn from this passage is that Jesus came to reach us personally. Jesus came to reach us personally. In the Old Testament, we see how 
God, he mainly dealt with people on a national level. Uh, we also get to see the picture of God working in family by his relationship to Abraham and his offspring that eventually became the nation of Israel. And so where this passage picks up, though, on the journey of Jesus with his disciples is that we see a shift in the way that the Messiah, the, the promised Savior of the Jews, interacts with people in their lives. We see Jesus go to Peter's house um, where his mother-in-law is lying there with a fever. And similar to the way that Jesus encountered the man with leprosy, going into this house where Peter's, Peter was staying, or it was his home, and where the mother was staying, with her type of sickness that she had, that would have meant going into an unclean place. I know this is a triggering word nowadays, but think quarantine. This is like a very real example of a, a quarantine situation. And so Jesus goes there. He reaches out and touches the untouchable and makes the unclean clean, just like the man with leprosy. He touches this woman on the hand with a fever. And instantly, this mother-in-law, she's healed. Immediately, she recovers to full health, and she gets back to just the everyday things that she would have been doing in her life. Yeah. So now I'm going to get really real because you guys know I, I don't hold back and I am blunt. And so, Hallelujah. so many times I have read this passage and on a complete surface level, I get irked and I get upset because for me, as a woman who all too often reduces her value in the kingdom of God to what I can do, Jesus instead of who I am to Jesus, I get all snarky and I get all sarcastic. And I think, well, the only reason that Jesus healed her is so she could just jump right up and start rushing around and fulfill her womanly duties as hostess of the house. And I get all but this is my baggage talking, not God's word, right? For me, in my life, there has been this goal placed before me. I remember since a tiny kid, you want to pass on to glory and hear God say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I'm looking forward to that day. And yet also for me, that became an idol in itself because serving is a part of walking with Jesus, but I couldn't detach my identity in Christ from whether or not I was pleasing to him as his helper. I mean, I'm supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus, right? So it wasn't until moving here to Florence that I was able to start wrapping my mind around this idea of being a friend of God. And that's what we have here. This woman was the mother-in-law of one of Jesus's very best friends. She was living in a house where Jesus would have spent a lot of time with his best friend, Peter. And Jesus comes in and he encounters her, not in his time of need, but in her time of need. He doesn't need her to get up and to serve him. He just cares that she's sick. And then when he does reach out and heal her, that healing is so complete 
that she returns to her full self. So when the text says that she immediately got up and she started serving him, it's because her gratitude and her worship turned into service for her Lord and her friend. So to be honest here, I cannot count the number of times that I have served God in a spiritual fever. I'm burning up and I am burning out all in the name of showing Jesus how much I love him. I'm just going to work, work, work and burn out. Um, Last spring, we were living in Portland. I was the kids pastor and administrator at our church in Portland and I was homeschooling my kids and I was like going a million miles a minute um, and knew I wasn't doing well but COVID was hard for everybody and I went to the dentist. Dentist is like no big deal for me but I went to the dentist and they took my blood, blood pressure and they were like, whoa, whoa. And so they took it three more times and it was still, whoa. So um, they had me go into urgent care and they were like, yeah, you, you've got a problem. And so um, that started this period for me of going, what have I done to myself? I remember Easter last year, I was serving all morning in kids' ministry. We had an evening service at the time. I went to the evening service. It's supposed to be this joyful thing. And I, afterwards, I was like, Tim, Easter is so sad. He's like, what? And I'm just like crying because I was in such a burnt out place of just serving to make Jesus happy that I was like, if I'm supposed to be like Jesus and Jesus died, that I'm gonna die doing this. And I was just like, there's no hope for me at that time. Um, I had gotten this idea, and it is a very good idea, uh, that God sends us here for a purpose, which is so true. We have a purpose. Part of our purpose is what we do, and part of our purpose is relationship, just because he wants us. But I had, I was joyfully serving the Lord. I love serving God. It wasn't like I was begrudgingly doing it. Like I thought I was worshiping in my service, but it was all because I was like, but I have a job to do and I have to do my job because that's what's pleasing to God is me doing my job and doing all the little things that he wants me to do as his helper. And I got completely lost. I had stripped myself of God's friendship and I put up walls that kept him from meeting me in my need. And then I was a poor witness to the world that I was trying to reach in the name of Jesus. And sometimes, like before we moved here, God has had to completely knock me flat on my back and raise my blood pressure at the dentist's office so that I have to quit all my jobs and we get to move to Florence um, and take me out of the game just so that I can come back to a place of letting him minister to me personally. Minister to me not just because I'm valuable to him as his servant and he needs me to get back to work, but minister to me because I am valuable, period. Amen. Yeah, Jesus came to reach us personally. Amen. And, you know, it it reveals to us that 
there is freedom and healing that's found in Jesus. And that's all fulfilled through God's saving power that comes to us in our need, who comes to us when we're, we're burning out at a feverish pace or um, whatever your, your expression of fever might be, maybe literally or metaphorically. Um, God's power is here for you today. And he wants to reach out to you uh, personally. The second thing we learn in our passage is that Jesus came to heal all who come to him. So as we talked a couple of months ago, um, Matthew is focused on showing us the truth that Jesus was the long-awaited Savior of the Jews. He links the life and work of Jesus with the different prophecies that were foretold in the Old Testament about the coming Savior, the one who is going to set all things to right. And so he links this with the person of Jesus, and this is what the purpose of the Gospel of Matthew is all about, to show us who Jesus is. And prophecies, uh, you know, that reveal Jesus are like uh, one that's found in Isaiah 53. You can go to the next slide. Uh, 53 verse 1 that says, who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And so the text in Matthew, uh, you know, when God's power is revealed, linking these two together, when God's power is shown, it's revealed to us, this leads us to a belief that he has a commitment to actually save us. And the text that we have in Matthew tells us that Jesus did two specific things for the people who were brought to him that night. In, um, I, yeah, in verse 16. So he cast out evil spirits and he healed their sickness. And this connects us to God's purpose statement, if we will, for the, the Messiah that's described in Isaiah 61. It's also up there on the screen. That the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me set me apart to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So when Jesus cast out, he was proclaiming freedom for the captives, those who were bound up with all sorts of uh, demons, uh, literal demons. I know that today in in today's world, we talk about the figurative demons that we all face, whether through addiction or life circumstance or different things, but literal uh, deliverance happening there. And so he was doing that to free captives, those who were captive in that situation. When he healed the sick, he was bringing them to an experience of freedom, that year of the Lord's favor through physical restoration where they weren't going to be bedridden with the fever anymore or, uh, or, or with that, whatever was ailing them, whatever weakness they were experiencing, they were going to be fully physically restored. And so both that healing and that freedom are shown there. So as a recovering service addict, and my, my hang-up leads me to ask... Okay, so it says in verse 16, they brought to him the many who were oppressed by demons. 
I want to know who's the they, like who's doing the work, who's getting to be in the middle of the action. Well, you remember before Tim read to you Isaiah 61 about healing the sick and broken hearted. So Jesus in the book of Luke, he reads, he's asked to read uh, from the scrolls in the temple and he picks this passage on purpose to tell them about this bold declaration about himself as the Messiah. And he ticks a lot of people off in the process. This quote is about Jesus, the Messiah. It totally is. Isaiah said it to look forward to the Messiah, and yet the word of God is also complex because Isaiah was also boldly declaring about himself, what he believed his purpose was as a friend and follower and helper of Jesus, to bring good news, to bind up, to proclaim liberty and proclaim freedom. freedom. So in Isaiah 53, when he asks, who has believed? And then he has the follow-up question, to whom has the arm or the strength of the Lord been revealed? We can use that second verse to answer the first. Who has believed? Those who have encountered the strength of God. Um, Yes. Who are, sorry, (laughs) I'm like, what? Where where was I going? Those who've encountered the power of God in their lives. So who carries people to Jesus? Those who believe because they have experienced the transforming power of God. And who are the best ones to carry people to Jesus? It's those people who know their own brokenness and have allowed God to heal them. Those are the people who know God's strength. And it's the witness of God in our life, of that transformation. It's not our fretting, it's not our wearing ourselves out, or our piles of hard work, or even our excellent keeping of God's standard, but it's our witness of that transforming power of God that does the work, that brings others to experience that same transforming power. Amen. Yeah, and so we can see that You know, Jesus came to heal all who would come to him. And we see that freedom and healing are fulfilled through God's saving power. We also see in the passage that Jesus came to carry and complete. And so in Isaiah 53, 4 through 5, I think I have it on the screen. Yes, awesome. Okay, so this was a direct quote that Matthew picked up on in Uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, where he says this was done to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, that we see fulfillment in Jesus. Here's a a more expanded context for that. In Isaiah 53, 4 through 5, it says, Surely he, meaning the Messiah, has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Jesus' sacrifice and his work of freedom and redemption ultimately bring us peace. 
like we talked about back in December during the season of Advent, the peace of God in the Bible that we see in the Bible isn't just an absence of conflict. Boy, couldn't we use an absence of conflict today, amen? But, you know, it's not just an end of war and fighting. It's not just an end of just, you know, constant, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But that Hebrew word for peace is actually the word shalom, uh, which means wholeness and completeness. It means, uh, you know, God's intended purpose from the beginning for you, whole and complete as you were supposed to be. You know, in Genesis 1, after God created each element of all of creation, he declared it good, and God saw that it was good, meaning that it was perfect and whole and complete as it was supposed to be. And so... <clears throat> Isaiah describes the coming Messiah as a suffering servant who, uh, whose work was going to bring us peace. And so we also see in Isaiah 53, 11, continuing down that passage, that the righteous one, my servant, will make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. To be accounted righteous means to be in right standing with God. But as people born with a sin nature, if this is God's standard and we're aiming for that, we miss it every time, even in our best efforts. That's what it means to sin is to miss the mark. That if that's, if we were like doing archery or something and we were, you know, aiming our best effort arrow at the target, uh, we would be off-center. Even in, in the best way, we couldn't hit that mark. And so the righteousness of God means right standing with God. And so even though we miss the mark and we pile up sin upon sin upon sin, racking up relational debt between us and the Lord, as the writer of Hebrews wrote in Hebrews 9.22 it says, indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And this is what, for me, as I read through Scripture, this is what makes the work of the Messiah so important and so crucial. And this is what makes the life and ministry of Jesus so profound. Because through our faith in him, we are made clean of our sin. Where he fulfilled the mark, where he met the mark, and we fail, when we are in him, God sees us as meeting the mark, as, as achieving that righteousness, not by our actions, but through Jesus. And that's why the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that God, he made him, meaning Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf, in our place, right? So that we might become the righteousness of God in him and, and brought into that peace. So when Isaiah 53, 4 says that the Messiah was to be sacrificed for our iniquities, and that brings us peace. And then verse 11 continues by saying that the purpose of the Messiah carrying our iniquities was to make us righteous. We see this connection. 
between righteousness and peace. The whole reason God was going to send the Savior of the world in the first place. We see in Jesus' life and ministry that his aim was not to just fulfill the words of the prophecy like a checklist, but he was going to embody them to the point of going to the cross in our place to carry our illness and our disease and to bring us to completion of peace, which is experienced in our physical and spiritual healing. Jesus saves us from our sin, but he also saves us to a life of peace. He, sa- he gives us wholeness and completeness and shalom. And this kind of shalom peace only comes from righteousness. And righteousness only comes from the saving power of Jesus. So, let me ask you. You might know who Jesus is to you. You might call him Lord. You might call him Savior. You might call him friend. Who are you to Jesus? Have you allowed your faith in Jesus to make you a friend of God? cared for and valuable not because of not just because of what you can do for Jesus but because of who you are because he put you in your mother's womb before you could do anything impressive and before you had any sort of value or anything you could do worthwhile to serve him and yet you had that value intrinsically because of who made you period And so, also, where does your belief in God come from? Are you living off of a belief in God because somebody said, you should believe in God, this is what we do, this is how our family does it? Or maybe once upon a time somebody told you about hell and what could happen to you after life on this earth, and so you're like, I don't want that, so I will believe in Jesus. Or do you believe in Jesus because you have seen his power at work in your life, transforming and changing things, and saving yourself physically, spiritually. And then ask yourself, if you have seen that transformational power, who can you carry to Jesus through your testimony, through your testimony about what he has done for you? Maybe you're at a place this morning where you're like, I need to see the power of Jesus. I haven't seen it yet, and I'm struggling with my belief because I need to see that power. God wants to meet you personally in that spot, in that tough spot, as he continues his work of restoring everything to the way that it was meant to be. So come to him. Talk to him. Ask him to move in your heart and life. And us as the church, we want to encourage you that we have seen the power of God at work in our lives, and that we believe he can do it for you too, changing your circumstances maybe, but definitely changing your heart and bringing you to a place of wholeness and peace in him. And then lastly, where does your righteousness come from? Are you still trying to toll away and earn God's favor based on your own performance and what you think you can do for Jesus and making him proud of you? Or have you experienced that peace that comes from accepting Jesus' sacrifice blanket 
on the cross as the only thing that will bring you to that completeness and wholeness and righteousness that you're longing for. I know those were just kind of rapid fire questions. So hopefully you picked up on one and it's going to resonate with you. As, as we wrap all this up, you know, Jesus came to carry incomplete. And what that really means is that uh, he, he carried our sins to the cross. Uh, he carried uh, all, all of the effects of sin with him to the cross. And all of that was done to complete us. And that gives us freedom and healing fulfilled through God's saving power. I love what the Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Romans. Um, it, it's kind of like ground zero, level one uh, of, um, you know, an explanation of the gospel. The Apostle Paul wrote this. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Amen? And what that means for you and me is that uh, even if we said yes to Jesus a long time ago, or maybe we said yes to Jesus just a few moments ago, that the power of God is here to save you this morning. And we celebrate that together once a month through the practice of communion. Uh, there's nothing magical about the, the styrofoam wafer that we have in this little contraption here. There's nothing mis you know, crazy about the juice. Uh, it is just juice. Uh, we're not that tribe. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, there's nothing wrong with that, and that's okay. But my point is this. There's nothing particularly wonderful about these elements. And yet what God does through giving us this practice is that uh, there's a mysterious thing that we get to celebrate, where we get to remember the body and the blood of Jesus given for us so that we could experience this completion, so we could experience this freedom and healing and transformation, both physically and spiritually as well. And so... I'd like to read from 1 Corinthians where the Apostle Paul again wrote this. He said, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray.